Chapter Two of Buffalo Bill from Prairie to Palace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Buffalo Bill from Prairie to Palace by John M. Burke. The Scout. General Richard Irving Dodge, General Sherman's Chief of Staff, correctly states, in his Thirty Years Among Wild Indians, the success of every expedition against Indians depends, to a degree, on the skill, fidelity, and intelligence of the men employed as scouts and guides, for not only is the command habitually dependent on them for good routes and comfortable camps, but the officer in command must rely on their knowledge of the position and movements of the enemy. Our best Indian officers are quick to recognize these traits in those claiming frontier lore, and to no one in the military history of the West has such deference been shown by them as to W. F. Cody, as is witnessed by the continuous years of service he has passed, the different commands he has served, the expeditions and campaign he has been identified with, his repeated holding, when he desired, the position of Chief of Scouts of the United States Army, and the intimate association and contact resulting from it with General W. T. Sherman, with whom he was at the making of the Comanche and Kiowa Treaty in 1866, General Phil Sheridan, who has often given him special recognition and chosen him to organize expeditions, notably that of Duke Alexis, Old General Harney, Generals Forsyth, Merritt, Brisbane, Emory, Gibbon, Terry, Mackenzie, Carr, W.S. Hancock, Crook, Pope, Miles, Ord, Auger, Royal, Hazen, Duncan, Palmer, Penrose, and the late lamented General Custer. His history, in fact, would be almost a history of the Middle West, and, though younger, equaling in terms of service and in personal adventure, Kit Carson, Old Jim Bridger, California Joe, Wild Bill, and the rest of his dead associates. As another evidence of the confidence placed in his frontiersmanship, it may suffice to mention the celebrities whose money and position most naturally sought out the best protection the Western market could afford, and who chose to place their lives in this keeping. Sir George Gore, the Earl of Dunraven, James Gordon Bennett, Duke Alexis, General Custer, Lawrence Jerome, Remington, Professor Ward of Rochester, Professor Marsh of Yale College, Major J.G. Heckscher, Dr. Kingsley, Canon Kingsley's brother, and others of equal rank and distinction. In all books of the plains, his exploits with Carr, Miles, and Crook in the summer of 1876 when he killed Yellowhand in front of the military command in an open, hand-to-hand -hand fight, are recorded. The following letter of his old commander, the celebrated Indian fighter General E. A. Carr, written years ago relative to him, is a tribute as generous as any brave man has ever made to another. From his services in my command, steadily in the field, I am qualified to bear testimony as to his qualities and character. He was very modest and unassuming. He is a natural gentleman in all manners as well as in character, and has none of the roughness of the typical frontiersman. He can take his own part when required, but I have never heard of him using a knife or a pistol or engaging in a quarrel where it could be avoided. His personal strength and activity are very great, and his temper and disposition are so good that no one has reason to quarrel with him. His eyesight is better than a good field glass. He is the best trailer I have ever heard of, and also the best judge of the lay of the country. That is, he is able to tell what kind of country is ahead, so as to know how to act. 
he is a perfect judge of distance and always ready to tell correctly how many miles it is to water or to any place or how many miles have been marched mr cody seemed never to tire and was always ready to go into the darkest night or the worst weather and usually volunteered knowing what the emergency required his trailing when following indians or looking for stray animals or for game is simply wonderful he is a most extraordinary hunter in a fight mr cody is never noisy obstreperous or excited in fact i hardly ever noticed him in a fight unless i happened to want him or he had something to report when he was always in the right place and his information was always valuable and reliable during the winter of eighteen sixty eight we encountered hardships and exposure in terrific snowstorms and sleet on one occasion that winter mr cody showed his quality by quietly offering to go with some dispatches to general sheridan across a dangerous region of three hundred miles where other principal scouts were reluctant to risk themselves mr cody has since served with me as post guide and scout at fort mcpherson where he frequently distinguished himself in the summer of eighteen seventy six cody went with me to the black hills region where he killed yellowhand afterward he was with the bighorn and yellowstone expedition i consider that his services to the country and the army by trailing finding and fighting indians and thus protecting the frontier settlers and by guiding commands over the best and most practicable routes have been invaluable thus it will be seen that notwithstanding it will sometimes be thought his fame rests upon the pen of the romancer had they never been attracted to him and they were solely by his sterling worth w f cody would none the less have been a remarkable character in american history the history of such a man attractive as it has already been to the most distinguished officers and fighters in the united states army must prove doubly so to men women and children who have heretofore found only in novels the hero of rare exploits on which imagination so loves to dwell as a proof that our great military leaders and the officers of the united states army recognize the value of buffalo bill as a scout guide and indian fighter and that though i am writing of one of whom more stories of romance have been written than of any other individual living or dead it will be well to turn to the letters of commendations from prominent personages in another part of this book and the quotations which are given in this chapter from such authorities as general sheridan's autobiography captain price's across the continent with the fifth calvary colonel dodge's thirty years among the indians etc these endorsements stamp buffalo bill as one whose deeds speak for themselves and show conclusively that he is not a pen-made man but worthy of all said and written of him across the continent with the fifth calvary captain george f price after cody was appointed chief scout and guide for the republican river expedition he was conspicuous during the pursuit of the dog soldiers under the celebrated cheyenne chief tall bull whom he killed at summit springs colorado he also guided the fifth cavalry to a position whence the regiment was enabled to charge upon the enemy and win a brilliant victory he afterward participated in the niobrara pursuit and later narrowly escaped death at the hands of hostile sioux on prairie dog creek kansas september twenty sixth eighteen sixty nine he was assigned to fort mcpherson when the expedition was disbanded and served at that station was a justice of the peace in eighteen seventy one until the fifth cavalry was transferred to arizona 
he served during this period in several expeditions and was conspicuous for gallant conduct in the indian combat at red willow and birdwood creeks and also for successful services as chief scout and guide of the buffalo hunt which was arranged by general sheridan for the grand duke alexis of russia cody was then assigned to duty with the third cavalry and served with that regiment until the fall of eighteen seventy two when he was elected a member of the nebraska legislature and thus acquired the title of honorable at the beginning of the sioux war in eighteen seventy six he hastened to cheyenne wyoming joined the fifth cavalry which had recently returned from arizona and was engaged in the affair at war bonnet indian creek wyoming he then accompanied the fifth cavalry to goose creek montana and served with the bighorn and yellowstone expedition until september cody abundantly proved during this campaign that he had lost none of his old-time skill and daring in indian warfare he enjoys a brilliant reputation as a scout and guide which has been fairly earned by faithful and conspicuous service william f cody is one of the best scouts and guides that ever rode at the head of a column of cavalry on the prairies of the far west his army friends from general to private hope that he may live long and prosper abundantly should the wild sioux again go on the warpath cody if living will be found with the cavalry advance riding another buckskin joe and carrying his springfield rifle lucretia across the pommel of his saddle this merited note of applause will find an echo in every patriotic american heart which recognizes and remembers that it was the fifth cavalry that generals robert e lee albert sidney johnston hardy emory van dorn custer and other noted generals served and which was formerly known as the second dragoons from general phil sheridan's autobiography after relating his conception of the first winter campaign against indians on the then uninhabited and bleak plains in the winter of eighteen sixty eight he says the difficulties and hardships to be encountered had led several experienced officers of the army and some frontiersmen like old jim bridger the famous scout and guide of earlier days to discourage the project i decided to go in person bent on showing the indians that they were not secure from punishment because of inclement weather an ally on which they had hitherto relied on with much assurance we started and the very first night a blizzard struck us and carried away our tents the gale was so violent that they could not be put up again the rain and snow drenched us to the skin shivering from wet and cold i took refuge under a wagon and there spent such a miserable night that when morning came the gloomy predictions of old man bridger and others rose up before me with greatly increased force the difficulties were now fully realized the blinding snow mixed with sleet the piercing wind thermometer below zero with green bushes only for fuel occasioning intense suffering our numbers and companionship alone prevented us from being lost or perishing a fate that stared in the face of the frontiersmen guides and scouts on their solitary missions an important matter had been to secure competent guides for the different columns of troops for as i have said the section of country to be operated in was comparatively unknown in those days the railroad town of hayes city was filled with so-called indian scouts whose common boast was of having slain scores of redskins but the real scout that is a guide and trailer knowing the habits of the indians was very scarce and it was hard to find anybody familiar with the country south of the arkansas where the campaign was to be made still about the various military posts there was some good material to select from 
and we managed to employ several men who from their experience on the plains in various capacities or from natural instinct and aptitude soon became excellent guides and courageous and valuable scouts some of them indeed gaining much distinction mr william f cody buffalo bill whose renown has since become world-wide was one of the men thus selected he received his sobriquet from his marked success in killing buffaloes to supply fresh meat to the construction parties on the kansas pacific railroad he had lived from boyhood on the plains and passed every experience herder hunter pony express rider stage driver wagon master in the quartermaster's department and scout of the army and was first brought to my notice by distinguishing himself and bringing me an important dispatch from fort larned to fort hayes a distance of sixty-five miles through a section infested with indians the dispatch informed me that the indians near larned were preparing to decamp and this intelligence required that certain orders should be carried to fort dodge ninety-five miles south of hayes this too being a particularly dangerous route several carriers having been killed on it it was impossible to get one of the various pete's jacks or jims hanging around hayes city to take my communication cody learning of the street i was in manfully came to the rescue and proposed to make the trip to dodge though he had just finished his long and perilous ride from learned i gratefully accepted his offer and after a short rest he mounted a fresh horse and hastened on this journey halting but once to rest on the way and then only for an hour the stop being made at coon creek where he got another mount from a troop of cavalry. at dodge he took some sleep and then continued on to his own post fort larned with more dispatches after resting at larned he was again in the saddle with tidings for me at fort hayes general hazen sending him this time with word that the villages had fled to the south of the arkansas thus in all cody rode about three hundred fifty miles in less than sixty hours and such an exhibition of endurance and courage at that time of the year and in such weather was more than enough to convince me that his services would be extremely valuable in the campaign so i retained him at fort hayes till the battalion of the fifth cavalry arrived and then made him chief of scouts read through the fascinating book campaigning with crook major general george crook u s a and stories of army life due to the graphic and soldiery pen of captain charles king of the united states army published in eighteen ninety incidentally the author refers in various pages to colonel cody as scout etc and testifies to the general esteem and affection in which buffalo bill is held by the army the subjoined extracts from the book will give our readers an excellent idea of the military scout's calling and its dangers. "'By Jove! General,' says Buffalo Bill, sliding backward down the hill, "'now's our chance. Let our party mount here out of sight, and we'll cut those fellows off. Come down, every other man of you.' Glancing behind me, I see Cody, Tate, and Chips, with five cavalrymen, eagerly bending forward in their saddles, grasping carbine and rifle, every eye bent upon me, watching for the signal. Not a man but myself knows how near they are. That's right. Close in, you beggars. Ten seconds more, and you are on them. A hundred and twenty-five yards. A hundred. Ninety. Now, lads, in with you. There's a rush, a wild ringing cheer, then bang, 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 and in a cloud of dust, Cody and his men tumble in among them, Buffalo Bill closing on a superbly accoutred warrior. It is the work of a minute. The Indian has fired and missed. Cody's bullet tears to the rider's leg and into the pony's heart, and they tumble in a confused heap on the prairie. The Cheyenne struggles to his feet for another shot, but Cody's second bullet hits the mark. It is now close quarters, knife to knife. 
After a hand-to-hand -hand struggle, Cody wins, and the young chief Yellowhand drops lifeless in his tracks after a hot fight. Baffled and astounded, for once in a lifetime beaten at their own game, their project of joining Sitting Bull nipped in the bud, they take harried flight. But our chief is satisfied. Buffalo Bill is radiant. His are the honors of the day. General Cody holds his commission in the National Guard of the United States, State of Nebraska, an honorable position, and as high as he can possibly attain. His connection with the regular United States Army has covered a continuous period of 15 years, and a desultory connection of 30 years, in the most troublous era of that superb Corps' Western history, as guide, scout, and chief of scouts, a position unknown in any other service, and the confidential nature of which is told in the extract from General Dodge's work, quoted below. This privileged position, and the nature of its services in the past, may be more fully appreciated when it is understood that it commanded, besides horses, subsistence, and quarters, $10 per day, $3,650 per year, all expenses, and for special service or life-and-death volunteer missions, special rewards of from $100 to $500 for carrying a single dispatch, and brought its holder the confidence of commanding generals, the fraternal friendship of the commission officers, the idolization of the ranks, and the universal respect and consideration of the hardy pioneers and settlers of the West. In addition to the distinguished officers previously named in this chapter, General Cody may also well be proud of his service under Generals Bankhead, Fry, Crittenden, Switzer, Rucker, Smith, King, Van Vliet, Anson, Mills, Reynolds, Greeley, Penrose, Sandy, Forsyth, Dudley, Canby, Blunt, Hayes, Guy, Henry, and others. As a fitting close to this chapter of Cody's record as a scout and as epitomizing the character of his services, the writer quotes from page 628 of Colonel Dodge's Thirty Years Among the Indians. Of ten men employed as scouts, nine will prove to be worthless. Of fifty so employed, one may prove to be really valuable. But though hundreds, even thousands, of men have been so employed by the government since the war, the number of really remarkable men among them can be counted on the fingers. The services which these men are called on to perform are so important and valuable that the officer who benefits by them is sure to give the fullest credit, and men honored in official reports come to be great men on the frontier. Fremont's reports made Kit Carson a renowned man. Custer immortalized California Joe. Custer, Merritt, Carr, and Miles made W.F. Cody, Buffalo Bill, a Plains celebrity, until time shall be no more. End of chapter 2. Read by Thomas Thorson.